Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Dr. Ronnie Cohen-Sandler, talking about how to raise emotionally resilient daughters in the digital age. Ronnie is a therapist who specializes in working with teenage girls and their parents. And she is an expert on mother-daughter relationships. And she's the author of four books, including her newest book, Anything But My Phone, Mom. She's found that the number one thing parents worry about and ask about with regard to their daughters is digital devices. We're going to talk a lot today about authenticity and how we can help our daughters to get in touch with who they really are, experiment and find their identity in a world where they're pressured to present themselves in certain ways online and essentially present a fake version of themselves. How do we support our daughters in advocating for themselves, knowing what they want, knowing who they are, and at the same time, encourage them to adopt our values that are important to us as parents. Ronnie has a whole lot of experience and a lot of great tips and scripts that parents can use to connect when it comes to smartphones, social media, and technology. Really, really excited to talk about all of that and more. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Talk to me a little about the book is Anything But My Phone Mom. And what inspired you to write this? Um, How did you get so interested in this topic of uh, teenage girls and a lot of technology issues surrounding that age demographic? Well, I think my interest in teenage girls started very early in my career. Um, My first jobs were at a university counseling center. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so close in age at that time to the people who were in college, you know, when I was in grad school. But um, (laughs) when I started my private practice, uh, it was in a small town and I was the only female psychologist who was, you know, under 30. Wow. So everybody kept flocking to me uh, who were teenage girls. And so it really just became my specialty. And then I started writing for a teen magazine and I really felt like this was my, my calling. And then, so later when I started writing books about parenting, this was a natural thing. I've always felt that there's been kind of a disconnect between moms who want to parent their teenage girls 
in a way that encourages closeness. They want to stay close to them throughout the teenage years. They want to have open communication. And yet so much goes awry and so much has changed. And it seemed like all I've been hearing from teens and from parents is that technology and particularly social media have become the number one issue of contention. So I felt like that's where I had to put my energy. Teenagers have so many great tools for socializing with each other today. So isn't it just, isn't that all great? And technology makes it easier uh, than ever to be a teenager and connect with everyone else and gain followers. Well, I'm finding that for just about all teenagers, um, there's a very compelling reason to be online, to be on social media, but particularly the kids who have always been kind of on the outside, they don't feel completely like they fit in in their school for whatever reason. It's hard for them to make friends in person and they feel sort of alone when they're in the classroom and especially in the cafeteria or in the hallways. And for this subset of teens, social media has been a lifesaver because they get to find their communities online. And I've had some girls, for example, tell me that they don't have any friends in their school, but they have a best friend. Oh, it's horrible. But they have the best friend that they've had for three years. And how do they meet this friend? Mm. Online. They, They shared a community. And they've never met this friend. This friend lives halfway across the country. And yet that friend is everything to them. Yeah, right. So is that is that unhealthy? Should we be worried about that? What if it's actually a, a 40-year-old man pretending to be a teenage girl <laughs> talking to my daughter online? How do I know? Yeah, that's always parents' worst worry. Of I'm course. sure, right? yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's an obvious issue and you're not going to to say to your daughter, yes, you can fly across the country and meet your friend Sue, you know, you're not going to do that. But one of the things that I find so important about what parents can do is to really understand how to communicate with their kids about social media and how to be a good consumer and ask those kinds of questions. How do I know that the person I'm talking to is the person I think she is or he is? Yeah, because we FaceTime, duh, (laughs) we snap each other. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's very complicated, as you say, but I think the benefits far outweigh the risks. I see even parents have more ways to communicate with their daughters, with their daughters these days. You know, before it was face-to-face or, you know, you write a note and you stick it under their door, right? (laughs) Um, You didn't have a whole lot of flexibility. And now, if you kind of appreciate all the different modalities that you have, you can pick and choose so that your daughter is going to be most receptive to what you have to say. And I think a lot of parents don't realize that, you know, that a phone call on the cell phone when they're out with friends is not the same thing as a text. You write in here 
that um, certain aspects of technology can undermine self-reflection and authenticity. How is that? And why is that uh, matter? Why is that important? Well, psychologically speaking, it's very, very important for adolescents during this developmental period to really know who they are. Self-knowledge is extremely mm. important because it guides their decision-making, right? And the worst thing that they can do is to try to be someone else because that doesn't work out. That lack right. of authenticity leads to kind of a chasm between who they really are and sort of the facade that they're putting out to the world. And the wider the gap is that, the more tension that there is and the more they feel sort of not comfortable in their own skin, they can't be themselves, right? And one of the downfalls of social media is that everybody is curating their image. Uh, yeah. You know, and I've heard this from teenage girls that I've met with at schools or in my office. And they've been saying from day one, you know, you're not really who you are on social media. You know, if someone asks you your favorite book, you're not putting down, you know, like some the Babysitter's Club, you're putting down Anna Karenina, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so sophisticated. <laughs> right. You're trying to cultivate a certain image. You're uh... trying to be cool. You're trying to look happy, like you have a whole bunch of friends. You have enviable activities. You're always doing something exciting. But the reality is, of course, that everyone's trying to portray that. And so I think the danger is, I shouldn't say danger, I, I would say the challenge for parents is to help teens understand why they're doing the things that they're doing online, what they're trying to achieve. And also to realize that if they're getting a bunch of likes or forwards or, or things that aren't really for them, that, that's authentic, authentically them, then it's really not helping them feel good about themselves because they're being sort of rewarded and validated for something that's a false self. Something that I think is an interesting topic is self-advocacy which I think goes hand in hand with this is like discovering who you authentically are and what you stand for, and then being confident to stand up for that. How do we like foster that in teenagers and um, how do we help them to feel more comfortable doing that? That is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. And it's one of the things that I talk about for parents, because when parents think of helping their teenagers online, and particularly to navigate social media, they think about tech skills, right? And good luck to them if that's what they think they need, because that's the last thing they think they need. <laughs> Kids are so savvy about getting right, around. Yeah, yeah. They're miles ahead of you. Oh, they, they're thinking seven steps ahead of you. <laughs> I've honestly worked with 10-year-olds who knew how to fake their birthday so that they could get a social media account that started at age 13. Yep. Right? And even engineers who are parents can't figure out the 
in-app controls, you know, parental controls. <laughs> they could. Their kids can get around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think this all comes back to the parents. You know, it's not what you say to your kids about don't do this and don't do that and don't do this on social media. It's all about how you're raising them. And I believe that it's so important to parent the teen you have, not the teen that you think is ideal, not the teen that you want. Every conversation that you're having with your teen throughout their daily lives conveys the sense of, I want to know the real you and the real you is really great. And so it's even things like when you're having a conversation with your teen and you say, the teen says, I I feel a certain way, you know, I'm really angry about this, or I really hate so-and-so. And parent responds, oh, no, you don't. You don't hate anybody. They're so invalidating of that feeling. Yeah. Or if they can't tolerate, if they can't tolerate a negative emotion within a conversation. Yeah. We don't say those kind of things. That's not nice. Exactly. Yeah. We don't use that word in our house. We, we, that's not nice. Well, the reality is that teens and all of us have all sorts of feelings. Yeah. How we deal with them is another whole story and parents can help with that. But it's all about approaching your teen with respect for who they are and not trying to change them. And so when teens have that foundation at home, I'm not saying they're not going to try to impress their peers, but they're not going to be trying to make up for a lack of validation that they're not getting at home. How do we balance, like, we want them to be discovering who they are and what they stand for, but at the same time, we want to be conveying important values to them and sort of influencing them towards the things that we think are most important. How do we, like, teach values to our teen or have family values without um, sort of invalidating their, who they want to be or not letting them also have space to figure out what they want to stand for. I'm going to try my best to answer that because it is so, so important. So I think it has a little bit to do with what I just talked about, that when you're having a conversation with your team, it's important not to come across as the expert on all of this. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because you're not. And because what you want to convey to your team is, look, we're working on this together. You know, you're the expert on the teen social world and I'm the expert on you. (laughs) You know, I know you the best, but I've also lived in the world and I also have some things and thoughts and feelings and values to, to share with you. And together, if we work together on this in a collaborative kind of way, I'll be happier because I know that you're safe and you will have the support of me that you need whenever you need it. You know, and so I think it's important to have that kind of attitude when you're discussing these things with your teen. And the best way to do that is to ask, not tell. Mm. So, for example, you want to ask your teen, um, so what is your goal on social media? 
And they'll say, well, what do you mean? Well, do you want to expand your social network? Do you want to make more friends? Do you want to just connect with the friends that you already have? Do you want to find a community that you have a similar interest in and learn more? Um, you know, there are all sorts of reasons. And, and when you ask those questions, you're letting your team think them through. And then when you convey this trust and respect, um, and by the way, teens are going to test you all the time by bringing up outrageous, you know, kinds of ideas and seeing if you're going to flip out. And if you do it's kind of a conversation ender, okay. but yeah. you take a deep breath and you, and you realize that your teen is just trying to think this all out and using you as a sounding board, then you can say things like, well, tell me more about that. Why do you feel that way? And I think the greatest thing is to ask the teen because they're the experts, you know, parents, no matter how savvy we think we are, no matter how understanding we think we are, we are not teenagers right now. And so we don't know exactly what it's like to be a teenager right now. And so when you ask your teen, tell me what makes a good post and a bad post, you know, the nuances that we can't possibly pick up on, Yeah, right. Um, you know, when, when do you know you're being funny, but when does it cross over into being funny at someone else's expense or being mean, um, for teenage girls who want to be uh, appearing like they're sexy and all that, when does it cross the line into not so cool? When you ask your teen that, you're going to get some interesting answers because there's this unspoken rule kind of thing that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Instead of saying like, okay, here's the rules on what's okay to post and what's too sexy. Right. Exactly. And and then you, if you disagree. You can say, whoa, let me whoa. tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can what? see where you're coming from. I can see where you're coming from. I, I understand that need. Yeah. Let me tell you how it's kind of coming across, you know, and, and then you can actually look through, you know, social media together. Yeah. And you can say, educate me. That's conveying an openness mm. that teenagers are not going to feel like you're an adversary in this. They're going to feel like you're on their team. But you really are. We all want the same thing. That's it. That's it. You know, I hear from countless teens that if the slightest little thing goes wrong, if they raise their voices to their mothers or they don't get a good grade or they were mean to their sibling, the parents' first response is, I'm taking away your phone. <laughs> yep, exactly. You got to hit them where it hurts. Oh, yeah. But it's also, it's also kind of unfair. Yeah. Because what is that? How is that connected to their misbehavior or their undesirable decision? You know, it's better to discuss with teens, really what your concern is. And then, you know, if they are showing behavior that's irresponsible, you know, that's something else to talk about, right? You write in your book about family scripts. 
and um, how uh, some sometimes it's treating siblings too similarly. Sometimes it's like assigning different different um, children like almost like roles within a house or like nicknames. Um, but then sort of you could get kind of trapped in those or like uh, expecting that they're gonna just kind of continue to behave in the same way um, and then overlook what they're really presenting you with. So how do you notice when you're kind of getting caught in some of those family scripts and how do you break out of that? So I think girls are pretty good about letting you know when they're unhappy with that's one thing that I find that if parents are open, if parents are listening to their teens, they'll tell them, you know, but I also think a lot of this about parenting, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, it's not easy for parents, you know, parents right. are busy, they have things on their minds, they love their children, but every day there are 400 new decisions to make. And the things that worked yesterday aren't working today. I mean, I have a lot of empathy and respect for parents. Um, I am one myself. Um, and so I understand all of this. But one of the things I try to convey is that the more self-reflective parents can be, the more mindful they can be of their own behavior, the better things are going to go with their teens, you know, and especially it's important. What you're talking about is kind of pigeonholing teens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're the athletic one. Well, what if the kid has been playing soccer for seven years and then says, I'm done, I'm done. And the parents respond and say, what do you mean you're done? Oh, but you're so great at that. And oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could get recruited for college and we all your tournaments for the last decade. Yeah. Think Um, about all the time we've invested in this. And money. Yeah. You want to throw all that away? Major guilt trip and not allowing the team to evolve. Hey, we're here with Ronnie Cohen Sandler talking about how to raise daughters who are in touch with their true selves in a world of digital devices and social media. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. You know, what's really the worst is when kids do have talent in something like art, let's say, but their parents want to put them in art lessons and that spoils it for them. They don't <laughs> have a formative thing where they're going to be judged. Because that turns them off more than anything is when parents think that they're right all the time. Then they don't even want to have the conversation because their parents have already made up their minds and why should they bother talking? But downtime teaches them a great deal. You know, it's interesting because although kids don't exactly ask for it, this is a huge deal among teenage girls and parents. They come home after school and, you know, they've been on all day. They've been dealing with relationships, you know, good, bad, medium teachers. I mean, they are just inundated. And all they want to do when they get home is have some solitary time in their rooms to process all of the, why did so-and-so give them a weird look? 
Was their teacher annoyed when she handed back the paper? I mean, all of these things, right? And teenage girls, I mean, probably like 95% of them tell me that if they do that, if they go into their room and just kind of collapse on their bed and just reflect, that their parents will come home, come in and say, why aren't you being productive? Did you do your homework yet? Are you, what's, yeah. <laughs> right. Don't you want to practice your violin? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, they don't at that moment. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.